if you have to take a decision and it's a decision that is reversible, mm -hmm. just listen to your guts mm -hmm. and do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And if you have to take a decision which is hard, very hard to reverse this decision, then take it really slow, talk to a lot of people, don't rush it. Hi, and welcome back to the Dropout Journey podcast. My name is Tavi Venzen. In this podcast, I speak with creative and inspiring people about their journey and hope to help you find your own unique path. Today, I'm here with Christian Hirsik. Chris is an entrepreneur and has already founded multiple startups and businesses. He is currently working on his latest startup, Power Coders, a coding academy for refugees. In this episode, we talk about the challenges of founding a startup the importance of finding the right co-founders, and how to face big decisions. Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm really excited to get into this and uh, to talk about all these projects you're working on. But uh, let's go back real quick. What was your life like as a child? So um, I was born in Switzerland, in Belp. Belp is a small town in the south of Bern, of mm -hmm. the capital. Um, my mother is from Germany. My father is from Switzerland. Um, my father um, is an entrepreneur, or was at that time when I was born, was an entrepreneur. And, um, and my mother decided to come to Switzerland mainly because he could not move. He had mm -hmm. to stay here. Mm -hmm. He took over the family business from my grandfather in Switzerland. Um, yeah, and so I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family with a younger brother and a younger sister. Yeah. Um, and then eventually my parents got divorced. That probably took put me even in a more demanding role. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I think that was when I was about 10, 11. Um, and, um, and yeah, my, my pretty, pretty traditional um, upbringing in Switzerland, lots of sports, um, Yes, like Switzerland is great for kids. It's yeah, yeah, super definitely. safe. You can do everything by bike. And yeah, so I had a really, really good childhood. Uh -huh. And I um, think that's where I learned a lot of stuff that I'm still benefiting from. Mm -hmm. From my opinion, I think you already had a very entrepreneurial mindset. You know, as a child, I read um, in an inter interview with Matthias Morgenthaler that when you were 12, you organized a soccer tournament and got uh, Sony to sponsor it. How did you make that happen? Yeah, so actually we were not even um, pushing too hard for that. So we, we, we only like... Like sports in 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 small Swiss towns, it's uh, not very competitive. Like it's, uh, it, you can join like the local soccer team, but it's not like in the U.S. where you have like school sports yeah, and then schools yeah. are playing each other. And yeah, like, and so I think that was main mainly the reason that we came up with this idea. And then uh, we had prices, and I think. I was just naive to contact Sony. Yeah. And they were like, they called my mother and said, hey, um, I heard your husband is organizing a soccer tournament. And then my mother said, can't be, we are divorced. Why are you calling? <laughs> and then, yeah, your husband, Christian Hirsig. And then she said, no, that's my 12-year-old son. <laughs> and yeah. then she put me on the phone. And then I, yeah, I just said, hey, can you send something? We have this tournament. Yeah. And we thought that you could be a sponsor because you are also a sponsor of all these fancy uh, international soccer teams as yeah, we yeah, see yeah. on their shirt so uh -huh. why not sponsor us soccer yeah. seems to be important for you <laughs> so yeah that was like i think it, it's mainly is not being afraid and a little bit of being naive mm -hmm. to do that but yeah I, I i really started i was not a very good student 
Okay. Um, but when looking at my um, extracurriculum activities, I would say I was like really striving. Yeah. Like I, yeah. The next thing was that we organized a league, a street hockey league. Wow. So um, yeah, and that was like mainly like seventh, eighth grade. I was mainly awesome. organizing the, the the local hockey league nice. <laughs> instead awesome. of going to school and having good grades. But yeah, in the end, I managed going to to through school well, and so therefore, but I was never the one like being on the honor roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh how did your journey continue after primary school yeah so uh um the big question in switzerland is um are you doing an apprenticeship mm-hmm. or do you keep studying exactly yeah and since my grades were not so good my father was clearly in the favor that i do an apprenticeship because he felt it's more safe and i get all the practical stuff and so on so i applied for an apprenticeship at mobiliar mm-hmm. mobiliar is one of the big insurers in switzerland and um and i actually it was the first of april 1996 I uh, was about 15, uh, almost 16. Um, and in the in the mailbox, I had a letter from them, uh, a contract yeah. to actually start apprenticeship with them in the summer. And additionally, I did, I applied for the, um, let's call it the College of Commerce, like a commerce school in Switzerland, Wirtschaftsmittelschule. Um, and I got the test results at the same day. Yeah, and I made like the the, the cut was at uh, thirteen points, and I actually had thirteen points exactly, wow. so I made it just in. Uh-huh. Um, and then the big thing was, okay, do I now go to to the school or yeah. do I take the apprenticeship? And then after thinking about it and so on, I said, okay, let's let's go to school. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Probably it was because the school was in Bern and the apprenticeship was in Belp. Yeah. And I was eager to actually go a little bit to to a city, being more independent, and that actually then uh, allowed it. And then one year later, and that was also good because in a in a school like that, this was possible. When I was uh, seventeen, I went to the U.S. I was an exchange student yeah. in the U.S. Oh, cool. um, and that mainly was triggered by going to this school yeah. because in this yeah. school it was like they they advertised it there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I would have the guts or the possibilities if I would have done the apprenticeship. Yeah, so, yeah. And that was a really good experience too. And then so after studying in Bern, you studied in St. Gallen as well, right? Yeah, but I was way later. So okay. um, actually, um, then um, I went to the US, came back, did another two years of uh, Wirtschaftsmittelschule, mm-hmm. and then got like this, uh, um, we call it a uh, good question in, in Swiss German, is Berufsmaturität. So I got the Kaufmännische yeah. Berufsmaturität. It's like a, a, um, a junior college degree, I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I uh, I decided to um, since I experienced like I'm, I was not really good in learning languages, mm-hmm. and this experience I had going to the U.S. and um, uh, just uh, emerging into uh, to 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 a, a culture and actually learning this language that was like really an experience I was not. Uh, I didn't think that I could do that, that I could Mm -hmm. learn a Mm -hmm. language so fast. And learning a language, actually, I think that's the insight. Learning a language can be fun. Like learning a language was for me always a pain in school. And so when I realized, okay, I I now can speak English and I get good grades in English. And in French, I still get bad grades. Why not do the same? Why not repeat it? So I went for one year to Vevey. Oh, uh, yeah, to yeah. the French part of Switzerland mm-hmm. and lived in Vevey and um, and then I decided to go back to school mm-hmm. and did um, University of Applied Science mm-hmm. um, here in Bern uh, got a bachelor degree in business yeah um, and then decided to go to post 
And actually, the study at the uh, University of St. Gallen came way later as um, it's called the Certificate of Advanced Studies. Yeah, yeah. Um, CAS and uh, CAS. And, um, and actually, that came when I uh, was about 29 to 31. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you just mentioned it. You worked at Post till 2008, right? Yeah, but I worked a little bit part-time, so I think that's a good advice if someone wants to start an own company. So it's uh, if you have um, a job or a boss that is in favor that you can work part-time, that's mm -hmm. ideal. So I worked, I think, until 2006, I worked full-time at Swiss Post. Uh -huh. And then I went to like 80%, 60%. And at that time, I started the other company called Atizo, mm -hmm. which is a crowdsourcing open innovation platform. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that was quite important that I was able to like transition into that business yeah, because yeah. at the beginning, especially when you have like uh, to do an investment first, like uh, if you are, let's say, a trader, for example, and you don't need much uh, stock, mm -hmm. then you can just start trading. And from the very first day, you can generate revenue. Yeah. But if you are building a web platform, it takes like a couple of months where you are developing a web platform and you don't gen uh, uh, you don't generate any revenue at the yeah, beginning. Yeah. So it's good if you have like if you can trick the revenue stream yeah, yeah. a little bit through your old job. Mm -hmm. If you bootstrap yourself a little bit and yeah, say, okay, yeah. I don't need a fancy car or I don't know the don't need a fancy flat. Um, and try to get like uh, out of this minimal revenue stream mm -hmm. working like 60% and then on the side you can start develop and actually like what I say often is like for an entrepreneur especially if you don't have any kids a, a work week has more than 40 hours uh -huh. so if you're working like let's say 60% uh, at Swiss Post which would maybe account to 25 hours mm -hmm. then you can easily work another 40 hours for your yeah. startup so yeah. you're actually working already 100% mm -hmm. For your startup, but you don't have to worry that you cannot afford living because with the 60%, especially if you have a good education, you will probably, if you're just alone, you will mm -hmm. generate enough money yeah. to go for a while like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what motivated you to make the whole switch from, you know, working in the corporate world with Pulse to starting your own startup? Yeah, I think it, the, the big question you can ask yourself, what is important to you? Is it freedom or is it security? And for me, I can clearly answer it's freedom. Yeah. Like, I'm not a person that looks like, I, I, I don't, like, for me, it's completely okay. Like, of course, I, I, I don't want to starve. Of course, I don't want to sleep outside in wintertime. But, like, um, there is a podcast of a guy um, called Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. And Tim Ferriss uh, said, like, in one of his podcasts, he said, sometimes I eat a whole week rice and wear the same T-shirt mm -hmm. and sleep outside to realize no matter what I would do, the consequences of failing are not that that uh, that hard. Mm -hmm. I could mm -hmm. handle these consequences because yeah. if I fail and if I be really poor, then I would wear the same same T-shirt every day. Mm -hmm. I would only eat rice and I would sleep outside. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a little bit a little bit that's a little bit the grain or the ingredients. And so I think ask yourself. Like I don't say that for everyone. Um, uh, uh, being an entrepreneur is the right path. But mm -hmm. what I see is that I, I, I have a feeling that there are more people in corporate jobs who actually would prefer freedom yeah. over yeah. being secure than that I see that there are entrepreneurs out there which value security higher than freedom. 
Yeah. So I think my message mainly goes to the ones that think about uh, corporate career paths, but would say actually freedom is more important than mm-hmm. security to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, with Atizo, how did that start to develop? How did that become then a, a business, a, a company? Yeah. So I think what is super important in a in a in a more complex world is that you find the right partners. Mm-hmm. So I would not recommend to someone to to start a business alone because it's like you it's like a little bit like riding a roller coaster. Like mm-hmm. you have the heights, but you also have like very very low lows. Um, and so it's important that you are not alone at that moment. So um, uh, I found an, a very incredible guy. His name is Rito Abersold, and Rito um, studied um, studied. IT uh, in mm-hmm. uh, in Beale, um, mm-hmm. so close to Bern um, at the University of Applied Science, and he was like from the beginning he was like a very um, open-minded developer, very interested not just in developing software but actually generating um, user user value or customer value, and so we we kicked it off very well and 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 had this idea, and he was like uh, already at that time he was very much in line with the open source concept. Mm-hmm. And our concept was very close to that. So we had an open innovation concept. So the idea was you you throw a challenge onto a platform. Like, mm-hmm. for example, Migro is asking what could be the next flavor of our next use space. And then the people on the platform are brainstorming the next flavor and just yeah, entering yeah. ideas like in a huge public online brainstorming. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, and this idea really resonated with him. So I, I came up with the idea. Yeah. Um, and then when I realized, okay, probably there are a lot of companies, a lot of project teams out there who don't see what's around them, who mainly see their project goals, who see the revenue, the costs and so on, yeah. but really are struggling to put themselves into the customer's shoes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said, okay, why not? create a business out of that and then uh, we developed a platform with Rito we found uh, initial funding like a couple hundred thousand yeah so I can really recommend foundations in Switzerland uh-huh, there are a lot uh-huh. of foundations entrepreneurial foundations around there are like banks around who have um, uh, startup um, uh, funds mm-hmm. so you can apply for startup funds I think it's really important that you don't give too much away like there are like uh, uh, business angel networks but yeah. like at the super beginning I would rather try to get money where you don't have to give away shares mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because if you're giving away shares at the beginning, you give away a lot. In yeah, the of course. And so that's what we did. So we did. We the company was completely owned by us. Um, we launched it in the market. We were super successful. We were able to um, acquire Mammut. Yeah, um, the big brand, um, outdoor brand. Um, uh, some crazy guys from Germany developed a new zipper for them. Wow. Um, and that made it into the media, into uh, 10 for 10. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then my friend, my host brother, actually in the US, um, he, he doesn't understand German, so he was not able to understand what they saw, uh, what, what, what the, the report in 10 for 10 was about. Yeah. But um, he said, Chris, you must now be a millionaire because <laughs> you were on national TV. <laughs> and then I said, Jason, national TV in Switzerland is not the same yeah. as you are like on CBS or NBC yeah, in the US. Yeah. But he thought, okay, now all the investors, everyone yep. wants to invest in that startup because we're so successful. And actually, that was not really the case. So we still had to work hard for funding. And then we raised in 2009, 2010, we raised about a million Swiss francs yeah, yeah, um, wow. from business angels mm-hmm. um, to grow. Um, and and 
actually without really knowing what our business model was. And yeah. That was kind of tough. So that was then in 2015 when it then made the change from a Tizo to a Tizo 360, right? It was a little bit earlier. It was in 2010 when we raised the money and then yeah. we had to grow and we kind of promised to grow in a certain way. You do that by writing a business plan. So we wrote a business plan. In that business plan, we said what we want to do, but actually we had no proof for that. So mm -hmm. our business model, like our idea was that uh, innovative companies are buying our innovation projects on our website. Yeah, but I think that happened once when a Canadian company actually bought for five thousand Swiss francs on our website a project. Yeah, but the rest we were like selling, so we were yeah. like building a sales force, like running around trying to convince companies to do mm -hmm. these projects. And eventually, when we were able to 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 convince someone, um, they are they were were uh, were were then saying, okay, but now can you do the workshops? Can you help us with the strategy? Mm -hmm, can you mm -hmm. help us with the implementation? So we became a consulting co an innovation consulting company yeah. and not yeah, a tech yeah. company uh -huh. and that was the times like I would say 12, 2012 2013 when we realized okay that's not what we want I went then for about three months to San Francisco to mm -hmm. explore if we are maybe if we have the right product but if we are maybe in the wrong market mm -hmm. um yeah like we got good feedback probably we would have been able to to make that transition. But mm. on the other hand, we were already so far along. We had like quite uh, a messed up cap table. So that means yeah. that we had like a lot of investors, people who are not really incentivized. Like if you look for investors, the best scenario is that you have like ideally two to four f uh, founders. Mm -hmm. And these two to four founders, they're all 100% um, committed to that startup. And they are all... Um, uh, holding like an equal amount. It doesn't need to be like uh, uh, completely equal, but they uh, uh, hold enough shares. And that's the ideal scenario. And in our case, we had like investors who were holding quite a lot. We had former employees who were holding mm -hmm, shares. Mm -hmm. So it was like Reto and I, the only two who were like super committed to t make this transition to the US, we were like holding about a little bit over 50%. Okay. Yeah. So the American investors said, no, we don't want to invest in that entity. Try to get the IP out of the entity, and mm -hmm. then we start a new entity here in the US. Yeah, and that became super difficult with the Swiss investors. Yeah, and so in the end, actually, Reto then said, "Oh, I don't care. I I'm leaving. I'm going mm -hmm. to Nicaragua. My wife just got an opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris, you can have my shares if you find yeah. someone, yeah. sell it to them, and it's okay." But yeah, and that was for me also the point where I said, "Okay, now it's time for a, for a switch," uh -huh. and I somehow realized that it's like. I feel like every seven years, I feel that somehow these are my 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 the pattern, uh, my yeah, my pattern, my circles that yeah, take, yeah, uh, yeah. the circle of life. I yeah. think turns in my case all seven years. Wow! So it was actually seven years, and that was 2014. I would say 2013 when I decided to leave. Um, I we sold one part. We sold to a German competitor. Yeah. The other part we sold to our employees. Mm -hmm. Actually, we didn't sell it for money. We sold it for freedom. Again, freedom <laughs> was important. Yep. Like we just we didn't become rich. We got a little bit of money, 
that enabled me to not work 2015. That was mm -hmm. great. So we yeah. traveled a little bit the world. Cool. We tried to gather inspirations. At that time, I was uh, 35. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, that probably was the moment when we then said, okay, let's try something new. And then eventually we came up with this idea of power coders. Yeah. And that yeah. actually was then a transition into something new. Which was then started 2016, right? Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, 2016, the idea was incepted. And then 2017, uh, we started with the first batch. Actually, here at mm -hmm. Effinger, where we are, just oh, cool. next door was exactly, the first class. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, I read the story of what inspired the idea of power coders. That was in San Francisco as well, right? What was the story behind that yeah so actually like san francisco somehow seems to be a little bit a place where i return like yeah. i think the first time i went there was 2010 when i kind of did this round this funding round and then i realized okay what's going on in san francisco is even more crazy than yeah, what we just yeah. achieved so i traveled there 2010 and then i returned a couple times i returned with uh, with my wife 2013 for for Atizo, mm -hmm. and then I uh, I returned 2015 when we took the break actually not for yeah. work but yeah. just more for like fun and inspiration, mm -hmm. um, and then in 2016 I got selected by um, the um, American Embassy in Switzerland by yeah. the Department of State. Uh -huh. Um, to be one of the representatives for a program called YT Lee. YT Lee is Young Transatlantic Innovation Leaders, yeah, yeah. something like that initiative. Um, and um, and then I was uh, was able to go with a lot of other European um, young European entrepreneurs to mm -hmm. the US. And there were two uh, very uh, very incredible uh, girls. One was Dita from the Czech Republic. She has mm -hmm. a coding academy for girls. Cool. Um, and the other wow. one was Cornelia. Um, Cornelia has a catering company where she was cooking with refugees. Yeah, yeah. And actually with those two, I was very interested in their ideas. And at that moment, I was still like in this phase where I was looking for inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then I was chatting to them. And actually, I was more attracted by um, uh, restaurant and refugees somehow because I yeah. really felt like I really had a bad feeling about the whole um, refugee situation mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all these people migrating to Europe and coming here and not having opportunities mm -hmm. um but then when we talked together us three um cornelia somehow said but the restaurant like it needs licenses it's like a lot of work and so yeah. on and then dita said why why are you not doing that for coding because actually you're coming from the coding industry like you are not yeah. a chef you yeah. are you had a, a, an it company and then i said yeah probably that would be a good idea so i promised to these two girls that i would do a pilot in Bern. uh-huh and this pilot went really well and that i think that's like also a really important insight for people who start something don't like overload it don't write a business plan just try small like there mm -hmm. is a, a really good concept it's called the lean startup concept from eric yeah. reese um, i really love this like that's if i can recommend just one book for someone who wants to get into entrepreneurship i would recommend that book um and um we just did this MVP, he calls it, the minimal viable product. Okay, so what yeah. is the smallest thing you can do to test if it works? Yeah. So uh, like running a school, you don't build a school, you just run one class mm -hmm. and yeah, then you find yeah. out if it works. And actually we find out it works incredibly and, and we had like a lot of companies who wanted to be part of it. And that was also like, uh, yeah, was like really rewarding, I would say. And that made me then like invest more time into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so... Maybe just quickly, what is the whole concept of power coders? 
Yeah, so Power Coders is a coding academy for refugees, mm -hmm. but it's way more than that. So it's not just that we teach coding, what we actually are, because I believe just teaching coding, it's like important, but it is not enough. So I think actually the, the important thing is that you give them a job. Mm -hmm. So job mm -hmm. integration is the part that is important. And so what uh, what we do is we do we recruit people like yeah. um, we were working closely with the authorities who are responsible for refugees in Switzerland. They recommend us. They even pay us a little bit mm -hmm. like when mm -hmm. they send the student uh, uh, towards us. Um, uh, I would say we about out of like 100, 150, we build a class of about 15 to 20 students. So the mm -hmm. ratio is maybe uh, one out of 10 or one out of seven makes yeah. it into the class. So it's quite a, a difficult um, procedure to get into the class, quite yeah. selective. Um, and then we have 13 weeks of school. First seven weeks is building your own website, mainly yeah. learning HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Mm -hmm. A lot of our students actually know that already. Wow. So wow. that's that's not so much a problem. But for them, like being a refugee, you don't think every day about coding anymore. Mm -hmm. Like you think about security, safety, mm -hmm. food, um, uh, living uh, a, a life in peace. Mm -hmm. Like these mm -hmm. are the main things. So actually it's bringing them a little bit back to their passion. Yeah. Like reconnecting them with their mm -hmm. passion. Mm -hmm. And then we do something called a career day where companies meet our students yeah. and we are trying to match them, but we are, are also like, we are not matching them one by one, but we, we try to support the matching process. So they should be, yeah. it should be a mutual agreement mm -hmm. among them that mm -hmm. they want to do that together because we learned that it's way more robust if they select each other as if we match them. Yeah, And so they yeah. are selecting them and we support that selection process. And after week eight, so week eight is mainly selection process. There is no school. And after uh, week eight in week nine to 13, we prepare them for uh, the internship. Yeah, awesome. and then everyone like we have a placement rate of ninety-seven percent wow. in internships. Wow. So almost everyone is going to an internship, and the internships are six to uh, to twelve months. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and and then after that, we try to either place them in jobs. We try them to reconnect them with their studies. Mm -hmm. Like we have a lot mm -hmm. of people who had to stop their studies because of war or yeah. of uh, yeah. prosecution. Like a lot, especially of the guys. A lot of the guys had to join the military in a mm -hmm. country where is war. Mm -hmm. But if you don't want to fight and if you don't even know on which side you would fight, mm -hmm. then you rather flee. So and if you're fleeing, like you often if you're coming to a new country here like Switzerland, it's really hard to like restart your studying process. So we help yeah. to like bring them back to uh, ideally to, to a university of applied science mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. then they also have like in industry exposure so they can work part time and study part time. Or what's also an option is to do an apprenticeship yeah. in IT. That's yeah. also a yeah. good way. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Alongside Power Coders, I think around the same time, you're also a co-founder of a Swisspreneur, right? Yeah, so Swisspreneur is actually an idea which uh, um, Alain Chiar had. Mm -hmm. um, Alain is, uh, was born very close to Bern too in Polygon. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know each other um, before, but we have uh, uh, common friends. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I went to San Francisco, a friend of mine said, hey, I know a guy, he started a company and really successful, you should meet Alain. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, like every time I was there, 
if he was available, I met with him and mm -hmm. eventually he sold his company Wildfire. Like, please Google that um, yeah. to Google. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like for like so much money, like, um, I don't know, maybe 400, uh, 400 million wow. uh, US wow. dollars. So like a really great exit, but yeah. really wow. a great company. And actually what is really special about him, what I liked, because I'm also working with my wife, Bettina, he, mm -hmm. he is working with his wife, uh, Victoria. Oh, cool. She yeah. was the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was not even the boss. His yeah. wife was the <laughs> boss. So a really, really great story, founder story. And then eventually 2016, he came to Switzerland and called me up. And, and I, I figured he's just like, we just have coffee and are catching mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. And then he came with this idea, which was inspired by uh, mainly um, Kevin Rose. Uh, maybe you can Google foundation. Um, it's a format, a video format where Kevin Rose is going through the U.S. and yeah. is interviewing all these CEOs. Yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Rose started that when he was at um, at Google Ventures mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as an idea to uh, to 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 uh, um, generate traction for Google Ventures. Yeah. Um, and uh, all I really liked this approach and how uh, how uh, um, uh, Kevin did these these shows and so um, I. I figured that it would be a, a, a good a good idea to do that because we both agreed on that the Swiss, let's say the no no I I don't think it's actually the the fault of the young but um, uh, in Switzerland the, your career path tends more to join a big corporation mm -hmm. than to start mm -hmm. your venture yeah and Swisspreneur wanted to help. Um, uh, uh, make uh, these um, these uh, let's call them startup stars yeah. more um, um, getting them closer make uh -huh. them more um, common make mm -hmm. them uh, more um, understandable and so that's mainly was the idea and so mm -hmm. I did 16 episodes yeah. where I interviewed um, a lot of cool people like there is the the founder of jobs.ch yeah, I remember yeah. Thomas Sterchi mm -hmm. then is an interview with uh, Seed Stars Alize de Tonac mm -hmm. so there are like really cool awesome, interviews yeah. um, and um, and then eventually um, I decided to step back um, I handed over to Silvan Krenbühl mm -hmm. who is now doing it as a podcast so we also switched yeah. a little bit the format we went from video to audio uh -huh. because actually what we realized like we already did audio when we did video mm -hmm. and we realized that like 80 to 90 percent didn't watch the videos okay. and videos okay. was the main cost yeah so we said why not just do um or focus on audio we mm -hmm. still do like a little bit of video snippets but it's not like with three uh like expensive cameras and yeah like filmed yeah, and yeah, so, yeah yeah do you hope to see more youth in switzerland taking a different path than the normal study than work at some corporate yeah, company so, so i i definitely have this hope for my two sons mm -hmm. because they are like close to my heart yeah um i have this hope for swiss economy because i think that's driving innovation that people yeah, are like yeah. starting their own companies um i don't have this hope for these young people like mm -hmm. i say, say for the, these young people i say do whatever feels best to you mm -hmm. but be brave and like just try it don't be afraid like failing is not like what failing was 20 or 30 years ago yeah like failing is accepted i would even say in switzerland if you um have like let's call it a reflected fa failure like yeah. where you like are a little bit self-reflected about it and you can tell like in an interview in a job interview you can tell why you failed and mm -hmm. what you would mm -hmm. do differently i think that could be even a, an asset 
yeah. like in an interview when you have all these people coming out of university St. Gallen yeah. or wherever mm-hmm. um, and then you are the person that actually has like I don't know maybe a bachelor degree but no master degree but mm-hmm. you had like a company and you failed but you can explain why mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. could be an asset so I hope yeah. that this uh, this fear of failure is is changing yeah and that yeah. should enable then more people coming out doing their own mm-hmm. cool stuff mm-hmm. and not just dreaming about it yeah of course i think yeah just having the courage to execute and not just keep the idea in your head you know yeah i think there is a really nice quote it's i i um uh live your dreams instead of uh dream your life or yeah, something yeah, like. yeah yeah and i think that's really important especially when you are young and you don't need all that money rather do something you really want to do than driving a nice car yeah yeah like yeah get a nice bike that costs you about a thousand francs instead of a car which costs you maybe like forty thousand or even more yeah yeah (laughs) and then yeah just just do with the other 39 a cool project yeah um but in case there's anybody out there who has an idea who wants to start a startup um what crucial tip could you give to somebody something they should know before starting yeah, I think in one sentence, it's the claim of Nike. Just do it. Yeah. I would say. Um, like a, a little bit more elaborate on it. Um, read the book of Eric Ries. Yeah. Um, like really get familiar with the uh, lean startup concept. Don't aim for like already a company. Mm-hmm. Aim for mm-hmm. a little, little tiny project that you can do like for fun in the evening. Find good people, mm-hmm. like because it is a roller coaster. There will be ups and downs in every project. There is mm-hmm. no project out there, not even the one that I mentioned from Alashiar, yeah, which always was like easy. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, especially the successful ones, they were like like also like going down and uh, and and struggling. Um, and so, therefore, like having good people, and with good, I mean good on one hand, very. Um, complementary to um uh in skills ideally like don't have like a team of three software developers maybe have a business guy a designer and a software developer for example Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then on the other hand very aligned in values Mm -hmm. like really speak about what is important that was the reason why we actually sold a tizo because the others who entered the company they had different values like reto and i we were like Riding the bike, drinking beer, yeah. <laughs> um, wearing hoodies. Yeah, yeah. The guys who came into the company were drinking wine, driving BMW, <laughs> yeah. wearing shirts. Yeah, yeah. So this is super important. I'm not, I'm not saying that one or the other is better. I'm just saying find the family you want to belong mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because definitely. this is the glue that you need when the roller coaster hits the bottom. Yeah. The last question kind of coming towards an, e- an end here. Um, for anybody kind of out there, not sure yet where to go, out of, maybe out of your own experience, how did you figure out in which direction you wanted to go and what advice could you give somebody? I think listen to your guts. Like this is really important. I think you feel what you want to do. Don't listen to too many people, too, ma- too many other people. Because mm-hmm. in the end, like I, I got a really, really good advice, a valuable ag- advice from someone um, in the U.S. called Tony Schneider. He's actually yeah. Swiss, but uh, he uh, went to the U.S. when he was quite young. 
um, and he started several companies like the most uh, um, known company is the company behind WordPress it's mm-hmm. called automatic yeah um, and um, and what he said uh, actually this is a Swisspreneur interview so you can watch that okay, uh, cool. interview on, on Swisspreneur um, and what he said to me is um, if you have to take a decision and it's a decision that is reversible mm-hmm. just listen to your guts mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. it yeah and if you have to take a decision which is like every decision is reversible but it's hard very hard to reverse this decision then take it really slow talk to a lot of people don't rush it yeah so maybe to give you an example where everyone probably can relate to it like marrying mm-hmm. Like, of course, you can divorce, <laughs> but divorcing is quite some pain. Yeah, it's also yeah. some cost, depending on where you are at in your mm-hmm. life. So, like, don't rush to mm-hmm. get married. But if you say, I would like to uh, spend, I would like to see the elephants in Africa, do it. Yeah. Don't yeah. stay at home and, and say, uh, yeah, I could do a safari. One day I will yeah. do a safari. Mm-hmm. If that's your biggest dream, do this safari, make it mm-hmm. happen. Because even if you realize, no, I don't want to see this, uh, the, the elephants anymore, then cancel your trip. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is something you can reverse. Okay. So ask always yourself, can I reverse this decision or not? And I think especially when it comes to decisions about your past, mm-hmm. like do I want to work for that company? Mm-hmm. Go and work for that company, find it out. Yeah. Don't yeah, dream yeah. about working. Or if someone says, I would love to work for Nike. Mm-hmm. I just said Nike before. That's the reason why it comes to my <laughs> head. But apply. Mm-hmm. Apply for Nike. Mm-hmm. Go and work for them. Like I think that's the important thing. If someone says, I would like to start a bar. Go and start a bar. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, if, if it doesn't work, then you do something else. I think that's the important thing. That's the message. Try, try, yeah, try. Yeah. And don't don't listen to too many people who say, oh, it could not work. Like Swiss people yeah. have the tendency to, to always tell you, that's not a good idea because of this and that. That's where I really like the American culture mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. everyone says, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And well, I am so passionate for you. Yeah. And, and in Switzerland, it's more the opposite. In Switzerland, everyone says, oh, yeah, that, that's difficult. Did mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. it through Definitely, and yeah. stuff like that? So I think yeah. yeah, go out there and do it. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, any last words? <laughs> no, I think we talked about a lot of things. I think it's great that you are doing this. Thank I'm like you. really happy for you. Um, and yeah, keep on keep on doing it. Thank you. Sure. Um, maybe if anybody wants to find you. Sure. Like I'm like on I'm I'm on the social media. So like Christian Hersig, you can find me. Um, you can find me. Um, my email address is christian.hersig at gmail.com. So you can email me if you like. And uh, you often see me at Effinger or yeah. at Impact Hub if you're yeah. in Bern. So yeah. Hope to see you. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, it would mean a lot if you considered subscribing or following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to The Dropout Journey. And I hope you'll tune in in two weeks again for another episode.